0: to be in Ruth chapter 2 today. So while you're turning to Ruth chapter 2, let me r- remind you what we talked about last week in Ruth chapter 1 just to help set the context again, get everyone back on track and for those of you who are new today to know what, a little bit of what we talked about. Ruth chapter 1, we talked about this story of Ruth and it's during the time of Judges which helps us understand quite a bit. During the time of Judges, what's that, what that means is that this was an evil, dark time in Israel's history. This was a time when they were supposed to obey God, they were supposed to take the land, they were supposed to get rid of everybody else who was against God, His enemies, worshiping false gods, they were to get rid of everybody, and they were especially not to get involved, get married to those who lived in the land. And what was interesting is Israel would go into the land and they would do exactly what God told them not to do. And so, a very dark time in history, and one A couple places in the book of Judges it says that everybody was doing what was right in their own eyes. Sounds a lot like what we see today. So what would happen is, Israel would do what was right in their own eyes, they would worship these other gods, they would marry these other women, and God would bring judgment, and He would bring these other nations in to take over and cause Israel much pain. And they would cry out to God, as many of us do when things get difficult. They would cry out to God, and He would deliver them as He does. And He would deliver them, usually during this time in particular, they would, He would deliver them through using judges. These judges would be raised up, and God would use them to deliver Israel. And everything would be okay. And then they would sin again and do what was right in their own eyes. And this cycle would continue of them disobeying, judgment coming, crying out, God delivering. It's during this time that the story that we talked about last week began. It was Ruth is a Moabite woman, away from God's people, doesn't know God. And what's interesting is there's a family, a Lemelech, whose name means my God is king, Naomi, his wife, whose name means pleasant, and their two sons who, as we talked about, the best translation was probably uh, sickly and puny. They leave God's people, they leave God's place to go to the land of Moab where God's enemies were. Bethlehem means the house of bread Judah, in Judah, Judah means praise, so they left God's people, God's place, and the house of bread, and the land of praise, basically, to go to Moab, which we find out in the Psalms that God calls Moab a washbin. So they go there, they leave, because there's a famine. And where's this famine coming from again? God's judgment on His people for their disobedience during this time. So they go, and right away... Things go poorly. Dad dies. The sons, again, not raised as they should have been, do exactly what God says you're not supposed to do, and they marry Moabite women. And that's where we see one of those women was Ruth. Now again, we see God's fingerprints in His providence over all of this. He doesn't waste anything, and He still has His plan. He's working out always. And He even uses our sin and our disobedience as part of His plan. And that's what's incredible. And that's ultimately what the the cross is. is Him using our sin and disobedience to send His Son to die on the cross in our place for our sins and after three days to rise for our justification before God. He uses that as part of His plan so He may receive all glory and honor. And we can praise Him forever. So he uses this, and Naomi, the only one left of her family, is in the field and she hears that God has visited His people like He always does. He never fully leaves us or forsakes us. He does at times distance Himself from our hearts. Again, He's everywhere. But there's this block sometimes that we have when we're trying to commune with God and it's really Something going on in our own hearts, our own minds. We can't sense His presence close, although again, He's everywhere. But as the psalmist talks about, He's, God, you're, you're far off. You seem far off. Return to me. And a lot of that is we have to get our own stuff straight so we can rightly worship and see God. And so God visits His people and Naomi says, I'm going back. And her two daughter in law said, We're going with you. And then Naomi talks to him a bit and says, And one of them says, Okay, I'm going to stay with worshiping my gods and my people, being with my people. But Ruth says, No. And we, we talked about how this looks like her becoming a true believer in God, Yahweh, the, the God of the Bible. And so we could say maybe Ruth became a Christian and she says, No, the God of Israel is my God, God's people. They're my people. And so they return back and again people say, Oh look, Naomi's back. The pleasant one's back. I know things have been been rough, but she's always been so pleasant. And she returns and she says, No, I'm Mara. Call me Mara because God has dealt in a very bitter way with me. And she forgets her part in her current situation as we sometimes do. So that's where we pick up. And again, right at the end of chapter 1, there's a little bit of hope. They come back to Bethlehem. They've now come back to the house of bread. But look when they come back. In God's providence, they come back at the beginning of barley harvest. Let's start in chapter 2. Now, Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. First thing we should see here, someone related to Naomi, and he's a worthy man. Don't read over that quickly, because remember the context. The book of Judges, worthy men were hard to find. But the writer here introduces us to this worthy man. And <clears throat> says he's Boaz. Now, who is Boaz? First of all, you need to understand something about Boaz as you're going to see as we go through. He is a man among men. He is... The man, okay? A godly man, a worthy man, as the text says, someone who fears the Lord. In other places in Scripture, we learn a little bit more about him, but there's not a lot. In 1 Kings 7, it talks about the temple, Solomon's temple, and it talks about these two pillars, and actually one of these pillars, the name of that pillar was Boaz. Interesting. It talks about the type of man He was, again, by God's grace in him. Another thing that's interesting about Boaz is who his mother is. From what we can tell in the Scriptures, his mother, if you'll remember the story of Rahab, when the spies were going into the land, not one of God's people, but someone who became God's people. Someone who became part of God's people. That's important for Boaz, as we're going to see the way he treats Ruth. Verse 2 And Ruth the Moabite, now again, I want to just point out here real, uh, just quickly, every time, just about every time we see that Ruth is mentioned, it's going to always have this Moabite part to it. Again, that's to remind everybody that this is not just a simple thing, it's not like just moving from one state to another. Now this is a big deal. She's an alien. She's a foreigner. She's somebody else. And now she's with God's people. She's in God's place. This is different. She should be worshiping false gods. She should be doing these other things. Not with God's people. Unless God has brought her there for a reason. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain, after him in whose sight I find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. A couple interesting things here. First of all, she, Ruth isn't just going to come back and sit around and do nothing. This seems like she gets back and pretty much immediately she's like, I need to get to work. We need food. Again, this shows this part of Ruth's character. She's a godly woman who now fears the Lord. She's a hard-working woman. She's going to take initiative. She's not going to just sit around and let life just happen and, oh, well, what am I going to do? No, no, Ruth says, we're back. I'm able to work. I'm going to go work. But notice that she still understands what's going on. It's not a great time. And that's why that phrase there, Him in whose sight I shall find favor. It's going to require, ultimately, the Lord softening someone's heart to let her glean. Now again, this gleaning idea comes from the Old Testament. It's part of the laws that God has given. Leviticus 19, 9 9 and 10, Leviticus 23, 22, Deuteronomy 24, 19. If you read those passages, what you're going to see there is ultimately that God has put in His law that as if you owned a field, if you were working your field or you had workers working in your field, as they were working, what they were supposed to do is they were allowed to harvest and get everything, but they needed to leave some on the edges of the field. And if they happened to drop some things as they were working and harvesting, they were supposed to leave them there. So leave some on the edges and leave some on the ground. And ultimately what God says is, this is for those who are poor, those who are without. So if they're willing to go and work still, they can still have food. They can still live. So God has taken care of them, but again, there's still some initiative that has to take place. You still have to go and work yourself, but the opportunity's there. God always looking out for those who are without, those who are downtrodden, those who are poor. Now the question is, in the time of judges, how many people are obeying God's law? There may not be any fields. But let's see. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to a part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was the, of the clan Elimelech. This is an important part of all of the Book of Ruth. She's out working, she's gleaning, and this phrase, she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz. In English we would say something like, as luck would have it. But friends, realize that there is no such thing as luck. There is no such thing as luck when you look in the Scriptures. Our God is sovereign over all things. Proverbs 16.33 Interesting proverb. Turn there with me if you will. Proverbs 16.33 Listen to what this says. The lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. Modern terms, you may throw the dice, but God's going to decide what number it lands on. So that means when you're playing a game at home, you're playing Monopoly. And you're rolling those dice and you, you really need that 11 to land where you're supposed to to win the game. And you throw a 9 and you lose. The Lord was over that. If you throw the 9 and lose, the Lord is going to teach you something. If you throw the 11 and win, maybe you needed some encouragement. But realize there is no concept of as luck would have it in the Scriptures. There is only God is sovereign in over all things. There's no chance. And so this is in here, truthfully, as an interesting way of the writer sh- reminding us, showing us, no, no, God is over this. God is over this. He's in what's going on in Ruth's life. So she comes around. She's gleaning. She's working hard. She's doing these things. And she's in Boaz's field. And and behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem. And he said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless you. Getting a little insight. Boaz is an owner of this field and he's a man who cares. But he's a godly man. Again, remember the time. Worthy men. Hard to find. Boaz comes up. Who's he talking about? First thing we see, the Lord. The Lord be with you guys. Great question here for us to consider. If we are a supervisor, if we own a business, if we are involved in, in trade or or anything, what kind of businessman, businesswoman are we? Are we godly? This response is great. It's not like this is the first time that this has happened. The Lord bless you. Kind of reminds us back of Numbers, that the idea of the... The blessing of Aaron, as it's referred to. The, May the Lord bless you and keep you. Kind of this idea. And this is part of the, the culture then. And really, it's part of the culture in many places around the world to go and to bless others. We don't do that as much as we, we should here. Except when people sneeze sometimes. We need to be a people who are speaking God's blessings over one another. Then Boaz said to his young man who was in charge of the reaper's, Whose young woman is this? Interesting. We see more about Boaz. He's got, he, has these, he has these workers working in his fields. He goes and he notices there's somebody working that's not part of the crew. Now again, could this be the Lord opening his eyes to that? Absolutely it is. But this also seems to be something about who Boaz is. He knows what's going on. He's in the know. And he sees Ruth. And what's interesting is he doesn't say, oh, what's her name? He asks the question, whose young woman is this? I think we see a little bit of Boaz's concern there. She's in our, my field here, but who's taking care of her? Who's over her? Who's leading her? Who's guiding her? Why, why is she here? What's going on? Whose does she belong? To whom does she belong? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, She is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came and she has continued from early morning until now except for a short rest. A couple of things real quick here that I want to point out. She is the young Moabite woman. Apparently, everybody's talking about this young Moabite. We saw at the end of the chapter 1 there that everyone the whole town kind of was in an uproar about them coming back and things. And so we see that this is true. Ruth's being talked about. And she comes and she's been working hard. We see here, say here that she's a hard worker. This passage in, in, in the Hebrew is highly debated and, and unclear, but I, I think the way that the ESV has it here is helpful. She's been gleaning and gathering among the sheaves. What's interesting is that's actually more than she was supposed to do. Again, she's supposed to get things from the edge, and she's supposed to get things that are dropped down. But Ruth actually asked, and again, maybe it's because she didn't know God's law yet, or maybe it's because she's going to push the envelope a little bit, but in a respectful way. She knows that they need food. So she's saying, hey, the piles that you guys have already harvested over here... Can I take from that? And this translation of this verse I think is helpful as it says that she has continued to work. This seems to be consistent with who she is and she's just now taking a short rest. Then Boaz, verse 8, said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter. Do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. A little interesting note here. Boaz referring to Ruth at saying, My daughter, this kind of A term of endearment in the sense of, I I care for you, I want to look over you, look after you. Also shows probably Boaz's age. Seems to be older than Ruth. Uh, He's an established man in the community. We don't see anything about marriage or anything like that for Boaz. But referring just like Naomi does as my daughter, again, probably, not sure exactly, but it seems like Boaz would be Naomi's age, so maybe. Late 40s, 50s, somewhere in there. Maybe 60s. Ruth, again, we know that she was married 10 years, so if she got married in her you know, mid-teens, late teens, so she's in her mid-20s, late-20s probably. But he says, look at this kindness. Keep close to my young woman. I want to protect you. I want to help you, Ruth. Verse 9, Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping, and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. A couple things that are interesting here. She says, or He says to her, Follow these women. They're going to show you how to do it. They're going to show you where to reap. And he says, I have told, Haven't I told the young men not to touch you? Again, shows us about Boaz. When Boaz says, you don't touch Ruth, guess what? You don't touch Ruth. That's the type of man Boaz is. That's the type of men we need to be. We're looking out for our families, for women in this church, women in this community. We make sure and we say, no, we want to be respected enough. We want to say, listen, you don't touch these women. You don't mistreat these women. We need to be godly men. The world this nation, this state, this county, this city needs godly men. Our homes need godly men. Also, he says, go ahead and drink from the water there. What's interesting is she's you know, basically lower than a servant here. If anyone should be gathering water, it should be her for everybody else to drink. And Boaz is saying, the young men are getting water. Go ahead and take some. Extreme kindness here. We talked about this last week a bit, about this, the Hebrew word there, hesed, this this loving kindness. We saw it from Ruth to Naomi last week, and we're seeing it from Boaz to Ruth this week. And ultimately, we see it from God to everyone in the story and to everyone in this place today. His loving kindness. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground... And said to him, why have I found favor in your eyes? That you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner. Again, she knows that this is an issue, folks. That's why, again, referring to her as Ruth the Moabite. So, I'm a foreigner. I'm a nobody. And you're going to be kind to me? For no reason? This loving kindness? Why? Boaz will give us some insight to why he does it. But ultimately, it's because he fears the Lord. He loves the Lord, and he wants to love others as we're to. But Boaz answered her, All you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me, and how you left your father and your mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord... There's Boaz talking about the Lord again. Repay you for what you have done and a full reward be given to you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you came to take refuge. This is just a great passage, a great picture here. He says, you have been kind. Again, Ruth's heart changed by the Lord. And now the Lord is blessing you. I want to bless you because I've seen how you have blessed others. That's how it works, folks. That's what we need to be doing. Being a blessing to one another because we love the Lord, because we love one another. This is a great encouragement for us. This idea of the wings, you have come, under the wings, you have come to take refuge. We see this in the Psalms many times. This idea That if you are under God's wings, you will find refuge. You will find refuge. You will not find it anywhere else. If you're here today and you have yet to do that, you have not sought refuge under the wings of God, you can do that today. You can cry out to Him and say, Lord, apart from you I will be destroyed and I know that. And my life is in shambles. I need to be under your wings. I need you. You are my refuge. If you are a believer, let me ask you are you continually going other places or are you going to God as your refuge? Verse 13, Then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly, that same word there, to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. In fact, she's lower than a servant. Isn't that our God? He takes the lowest of low and exalts us to be great because we're in His Son and His Son is great. And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers, and he passed to her roasted grain. And she ate until she was satisfied, and she even had some left over. Do you think she's had a meal like this in a long time? I don't think so. This wonderful meal, maybe the bread was a little dry, just need a little flavor to it, even to be able to dip it in some wine. Boaz is going above and beyond. Men, we need to be like Boaz and be men who go above and beyond to meet the needs of the women in our lives. Maybe even more than just what they need. Bread would be great. Boaz is giving bread with wine. And isn't that the same as what God has showed us on the cross, we needed a Savior. We need a Savior. We need to be delivered from our sins. That's kind of forgiveness. We need that forgiveness from God. So He provides that in a Son on the cross. But then, even more than just the bread to eat to fill our stomachs, more than just oh forgiveness, which we desperately need, He says, now I'm going to do you one even better. I'm going to go ahead and give you all that i'm giving my son you're in my son and so you are blessed with every blessing in the heavens this is a great picture of our god here and she even had some left over when she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, like she originally requested, which is interesting, and do not reproach her. And also pull, down, pull out some from the bundles for her and leave it for her to glean and do not rebuke her. He says, you know what, guys, apart from her, looking out for her, he says, hey, put a little extra out there so she, as she's working hard, she will find more. He's doing more. He's loving her. And again, he doesn't have to do that. What does he get out of it? From her, nothing. He loves God. He fears God. He loves others, and he's blessing Ruth. Last section here. So she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned. And it was about an ephah of barley. Think maybe, I don't know, three five-gallon buckets. So she worked all day, and then she had to go and beat it out. She's still working. And she took it up and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She also brought out and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied. She comes back, and Ruth is still kind. She could have eaten it all, or she could have saved it for tomorrow or something, but no, she makes sure she's still looking out for Naomi. She brings back the extras and says, Listen... Naomi, taste this. I know you haven't eaten like this because we've been together and I haven't eaten like this in a while, but taste this. See what how good it is. Reminds us of the idea of tasting of the Lord and seeing how good He is. Do we share that with other people? If we really say, oh, He's wonderful. He's beautiful. But we don't tell anyone? Oh, may it never be. May we be like Ruth, where we go and we share it, especially with those that we love. And her mother-in-law said to her, Where did you glean today? And where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked, and said, The man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. Incredible, the the man that Naomi was probably thinking about. Who could help, maybe? Who could help us? Boaz, the man among men. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Maybe a little change here, Naomi. Sometimes when we're so down, we can't see anything else. Do you realize that Ruth went out to work and Naomi's like, good, go, have a good work day. Why didn't she go? She was in the fields in Moab. Why didn't she go with her? Isn't it interesting how when we are depressed, when we're down, spiritually depressed, when we're struggling, we just continually focus on ourselves, get negative, sulk, and we don't even try anymore. And what's interesting is it takes others sometimes to come and help us get out of it. That's what we're to be, church. That's what we're to be for one another. We're to come, and when we're, others are down, hopefully we're up and we come and say, no, trust the Lord, look what He's provided. As Ruth does, and she comes and says, look. As Boaz does, He helps them. God's people working together to encourage one another. That's the type of people we need to be. Naomi's down, but maybe through this, through others, through God's kindness his loving kindness, she's starting to see something different and she speaks about the Lord in a positive way and speaks about Boaz. Naomi also said to her, the man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. This will come into play later. What it ultimately means is in the Old Testament there were these laws that were put in place that if... Husbands died, there would be others in the family, usually brothers and then the cousins and so on and so forth, that would step in and redeem the women. Sometimes this had to do with property, things of that nature. Cattle, perhaps. He's one of the redeemers to the family, a close relative. I think the wheels are starting to turn for Naomi. And Ruth the Moabite said, Besides, he said to me, you shall keep close to my young men until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women, lest in another's field you be assaulted. Again, Boaz looking out for Ruth says, no, no, stay here, work here. It's going to be okay. They're going to watch over you because I've said so, because I'm the man among men. Right? And now Naomi, when she should have stayed, Her and her husband and her family should have stayed with God's people. They left. I think we're seeing maybe Naomi starting to repent a little. She sees God's people. She sees Boaz, a man of God, looking out for Ruth and says, You know what? You're right. It is good. Boaz is right. It is good. Stay with his people. Something bad could happen to you somewhere else doesn't mean that when we're with God's people, nothing bad happens, of course. Things still happen in our lives. But when we are with God's people, if bad things happen, we have them to watch out for us, support us, walk with us, and certainly we'll not get into as much trouble, as much difficulty, as much sin, than if we were away from God's people, away from God's place, away from God's presence. And the chapter ends, So she kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvests, and she lived with her mother-in-law. As things close out here, we see the story just continues on, and she's, is this going to be Ruth's life? Just working hard in the fields every day, just living with her mother-in-law? That's where the writer leaves us hanging. We're going to find out next week. What is God doing? Will she remain forever with her mother-in-law? Just working? Or is God going to do something greater? If you're here today and you've never taken refuge under the wings of God, again, today is the day to do that. If you are a follower, follower of Christ, there's a few things that we can see from this text that are helpful again. There's Boaz, the man among men, and there's many great things. He's a worthy man. He fears the Lord. He loves others. He provides for others. He's a man of action. He's a man of His Word. Ultimately, Boaz is great in the story, but Jesus is greater. Jesus is the greater Boaz. We want to ultimately be like Christ. If you're a man here today, or listening to this today, and you have not had your life in line with Christ, a man like Boaz, you can repent of that today and start now. Maybe you're already doing it. Praise God. If you're a woman here today, maybe you're like Ruth and you, are, you have been seeking help, seeking refuge. You're willing to work hard. Praise God. But you also need to, like Ruth did, accept help. Like she did from Boaz. Doesn't mean you don't work hard, but do you accept God's help? Do you accept the help from others? Are you working hard? Or maybe you're like Naomi and you've been in a bad season. Bad season. Doubting God's goodness. Can't seem to get motivated to do anything. Find hope in that God is working all these things. His fingerprints are all over. There is no, as luck would have it, He's working. He loves you. He's pursuing you. Let Him in. And begin to see hope and begin to repent like Naomi. I pray that this chapter has been an encouragement to you. I pray that you will... Cry out to God in the way that's appropriate. Let's pray together. Father, we love You and we thank You for Your grace, Your love, Your kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. We're thankful for Your Son. We're thankful for the Redeemer that He is. I pray for my friends here. I pray If anyone here does not know you, that today would be the day that they would do that. They would put their faith in the perfect life. The death, the bloody death on the cross for their sins. And how after three days, you said, yes, this sacrifice is acceptable. And you raised Christ from the dead because of that, we can be justified before you. I pray that they would believe that today. But Lord, if we have other areas we need to grow, we are already followers of you, but we need to grow like Boaz or like Ruth or even maybe as we see with Naomi. Help us to do that by your Spirit today. We thank you for this time together. We pray that as we leave this place, we would be a blessing to one another, a blessing to the lost and dying world out there.